Hello, and welcome to the Canola Watch podcast. My name is Jay Wetter, and our topic this week has to do with two questions we've received quite a bit lately. One is, what do I do about these big weeds? And the second is, how deep do I seed in dry conditions? And with me are... Ian Epp, agronomy specialist for the northwest part of Saskatchewan. Sean Sanko, agronomy specialist for the northeast part of Saskatchewan. All right, we'll start with the weeds question. Uh, there seem to be some pretty large weeds growing out there in that pre-seed window. They've had a couple of weeks to, to get growing through a, a pretty decent, uh, well, even March, I was going to say April, but uh, March and April. Uh, Ian, are the from, from your perspective or from what you've seen, are, are weeds bigger than usual? Yeah, I think like you said, weeds are growing maybe even in March, which is unseasonally early for us. And given that we had a really long fall last year, we some of those winter annuals got really large in that October and even into November. So it's a really it's a really bad year for winter annuals with good conditions for them, and they're quite large this year. All right. When it comes to pre-seed applications, I'm assuming <laughs> I guess step one is is the best way to get rid of these in that pre-seed window. Would you would you ever envision a scenario where waiting until in-crop was the better choice? No, any of these weeds, we want to get them as early as possible. And any of the, when we talk, start talking about in-crop applications, it's all based on the critical period of weed control. And the critical period of weed control is an excellent tool for assessing how early you want to spray, but it's all based on, at a time of seeding, having a weed-free field. So definitely anything that's in the field now or before seeding, we want to control before seeding. It's probably the easiest time. And just given that the kind of year that it is, it, with maybe tight moisture in a few places, it's nice to get rid of some of those weeds quickly because they are using moisture right now. What? Well, we know glyphosate ahead of canola is a pretty common product to use. Um, I suppose maybe it depends on what the weeds are, but would, would just a high rate of glyphosate do the job? Yeah, when we start talking rates of glyphosate, um, probably average rates are somewhere in that half liter equivalent to the liter. But if we have really large winter annuals and really some sweet species that are harder to control, going up into that 1.5 liters breaker, if you're spraying glyphosate by itself, isn't a bad idea, just to make sure we're getting good control on those really large species. And to define large, I mean, would you, would you say six inches across or a foot tall? Or how do you know whether they're just regular sized or whether they're getting into that large territory? Yeah. It really depends on the weed species and, you know, growth habit makes it sometimes a little more complicated. But, yeah, anything that's six inches, if you're, if you're stocking a weed that's a foot across or a foot tall, that's a pretty large weed. And glyphosate is probably a good, uh, it's probably a better, good thing to err on the side of making sure you kill it. Because if you don't get it in that pre-seed, once it's in crop, it's even larger and it'll be impossible to control. That being said, we talk about rates of glyphosate, but there are a few good options. Tank mix with glyphosate, which depending on, again, on the weed species, could improve efficacy and help with controlling Roundup Ready volunteer canola. What are some of those options? So we can use bromoxanol. Um, that's, so that will do a really good job on the volunteer canola. Also bump up your buckwheat control and help with your kochia control. Uh, AIM or carfentrazone when tank mixed with uh, glyphosate is clean start. 
that does a really good job on volunteer canola and on kochia. And then we can use Conquer, which is a combination of bromoxanol and carfentrazone with glyphosate. So all of these tank mixes involve glyphosate, but they can improve your, your spectrum of weed control. And maybe and at the, with your tank mixing, you probably don't need some of these higher rates of glyphosate then. Maybe you can get away with three quarters of a liter equivalent, or maybe it's a liter equivalent depending on your weed species, but you can reduce your glyphosate, reduce your chance of selecting for resistance, and get better weed control. Sean, on, on your farm, are you seeing any weeds that you would consider almost out of control? Oh, never. I, I keep it up really well, Jay. <laughs> no, there's, um, this year's a bad year for, we've had that warm early spring, some really windy conditions, and it's been tough to to get a good control on, on some of the weeds. So uh, most of them are, you know, fairly easy to control weeds, though. There's some large stinkweed. Um, you know, one of the probably the biggest concerns I have is uh, last few wet years is um, foxtail. Um, that can be a tough one to control if it gets too too um, long away on you. So that, that's definitely a place where I think higher glyphosate uh, rates in the spring would help. Is a pre-seed burnoff something that you would use on your farm, Sean? Yes, um, I've used, uh, we use pre-seed burnoff. Um, you know, a lot of times you can't get in there early into you can't seed everything first right so a lot of those fields will have um, pretty uh, pretty good wheat growth we try to precede everything if possible uh, some years of weather doesn't uh, um, cooperate we will go in and seed the first few fields first but uh, otherwise everything gets a, a pre-seed burn off yeah I was I was asking just because I know sometimes you talk about these these agronomy best practices but it's nice to have you two guys on the call here and who, who are actually farmers and and just to to share that, yeah, you actually do do these practices on a pretty regular basis. How about you, Ian? Yeah, so we precede or we we spray glyphosate, hopefully tank mixed with something before the crop comes up. Sometimes that's before the seeding. Sometimes that's just after after seeding, but before the crop comes up. Some of those earlier fields this year, it's not really an issue. On some of, some years, if there's not a lot of weed growth when you want to start seeding. You seed, and then you see. Hopefully, you get a flush you can kill before the crop comes up. This year, with all the weeds and the high temperatures we've had, it's definitely not a problem getting that pre-seed in there quickly, and definitely before you seed. I know we're getting to the point where where seeding is the priority, um, uh, just based on the calendar date. How long between spraying and seeding do you need if you're gonna if you do decide you want to get rid of these larger weeds? But you also want to be seeding. Uh, what's the minimum amount of time to wait? Well, under reasonable conditions with glyphosate, you want to wait at least 24 hours. Glyphosate being a systemic chemical, it does take a little bit of time to get into the plant to get a good kill, and that's with some of your summer annuals. With winter annuals or perennials, something where you have uh, a larger root system and you're really trying to kill that root system to get your good control, then you probably want to wait three days, maybe four days. These windows can get a little smaller if it's really warm, dry conditions. If it's really cold, the plants will translocate chemicals slower and you might want to wait a little bit more. But at least a day minimum is best practice. Ian, anything more to say on, on the big weeds? On the big weeds, I would just get in there quickly. Um, moisture and nutrients are limiting factors, especially this year. If you can get get your weed control now, probably your easiest time to control your weeds is now. The longer you wait, the harder it's going to be to control them. 
All right, we're now going to move into the second part of the podcast, which is seeding into dry conditions. Now, as we recorded this, uh, some areas started to get some rain, and it looks like it might be a rainy week for, for at least parts of the prairies. So this may not apply to everyone, but we'll talk about it anyway. So, Sean, we'll start with you on this one. What, was, what would you be your advice in a situation where uh, the, the top couple inches of soil have, have dried out? Maybe there's some moisture down a ways, but with seeding canola in particular, do you seed shallow or do you try to chase that moisture? You know, there's never a perfect answer, but, um, you know, if, if it's a top couple inches already that are dry, um, you know, that I'd, I'd be putting it in that inch to, I mean, uh, half an inch to three quarters of an inch um, into the soil and, and hoping for a good rain. Um, you know, going much below an inch, uh, especially early on in the year, you're just setting yourself up for um, lower um, emergence uh, issues with your, your canola. Um, I know myself, I just finished... Um, seeding into pretty much powder dry soil with uh, the wind blowing but there's rain in the forecast and um, you know uh, put it in that proper placement and once you do get the rain it'll come up faster. Uh, the other concern always is if you you know if you put it in an inch and a half two inches um, and you get a pounding rain uh, which we we never know what's coming uh, those furrows can fill in you can be suddenly two inches two and a half inches deep with a bit of crust on top and have really low plant emergence. Yeah, and once those seedlings reach the surface, if they do, <laughs> there's not a lot of vigor left in those tiny little plants. Yeah, I know, especially if it's got to push through that much soil. And we know that um, you know the, the deeper, the more chance you've also got of um, uh, seedling um, diseases as well. You know, it's that hypoconal, that, uh, that white part of the, the plant under the soil is most prone to it. So if it's got to push through two inches of soil, um, you know, again, you've just set yourself up for having um, more emergence issues. Ian, anything more to add on on your experience or your uh, suggestions when it comes to pretty dry topsoil conditions? Yeah, so we spent the week in seeding, and we were moisture was sitting right around that inch to maybe even a little deeper than that. But as far as when we were seeding wheat, which is fine to seed a little deeper, but as far as canola, yeah, keep it on the shallow side. We have really good soil temperatures, so a little bit of rain, and hopefully that canola will pop up nice and even and there is some rain in the forecast for a good chunk of Western Canada, so hopefully if we keep it shallow, we should get a nice quick starting crop. And after that, hopefully, it can, there is, in general, in my territory anyway, there's good moisture underneath. So if we can get the crop up and going, the roof will go down and they'll find that moisture that's below. And that would be the same for you, Sean. Obviously, you're in, you're covering that northeast part of the province that, that where the water tables are, you know, if they're not right up to soil surface or close to it there's there's a pretty good supply uh, within roots length for sure yeah for sure we've had some some really windy dry conditions so that that top layer has dried out but you know just just a couple inches a few inches below it's it's saturated so we just need uh, a bit of rain to, to link those two up and we should have good growing conditions anything else to add on that topic guys it's a short and sweet one but did we cover the key messages Sean I think so. You know, this time of the year, at, um, I think, you know, staying shallow is the way to go. Um, you know, maybe later on in the year we could touch on, depending on conditions, we could uh, talk about it might be okay to go an inch or so, but I think for timeliness, that fits now. If later in May, if the soils are nice and warm and, you know, emergence, is, it would be quite quick if the moisture was there about perhaps lowering your seeding depth 
just a bit. You know, I, I'd still say an inch. You know, I wouldn't want to go much lower than than that. Um, you know, I've I've never really chased it any farther than that. Like I said, there's a big danger to just actually getting that rain and and suddenly you're you're way too deep. So, um, or you, it it seems you always go deeper than what you think. So if you're shooting for an inch. Um, you know, you probably got some seed going a bit deeper than that. So I I don't like to see it go uh, much deeper than an inch ever. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Ian. This has been a Canola Watch podcast. For more on these topics and many others, go to www.canolawatch.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Jay Wetter.